If you're married, one of the things that you likely remember is the anticipation of the wedding. That's what we're talking about today on our series, Love, Sex, and the Bible. As we look at the Song of Solomon, we understand and recognize all these human emotions that come along with marriage and love and commitment. And so today we're unpacking some of those things as we approach the wedding day for this young couple. I pray this episode helps you understand your relationship better, your spouse better, and yourself better. Stay tuned. you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. The Hearing Jesus podcast is so excited to partner with Compassion International. We believe in Compassion's mission to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Sponsors, when they sponsor a child, have the opportunity to see firsthand the impact that you're making through letters and updates that you receive from your sponsored child. It's not just changing the lives of children, it's changing entire families, whole communities, always through the local church and always in Jesus' name. When you choose to sponsor a child, you enter access to quality education, medical checkups, healthy food, clean water, and most importantly, the love of Jesus. Delivered through a church in their community because of a generous, caring sponsor like you. And you can speak life, love, and hope to your sponsored child through personal letters that you'll exchange. I hope you'll join me in sponsoring a child through compassion today. All you have to do is pull out your phone and text Hearing Jesus to 83393. You'll get a text back with a picture of a child who is waiting for a sponsor and a link to sponsor that child. You can also go to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus to choose a boy or girl to sponsor. When you sponsor, we'll also send you a copy of She Hears Learning to to listen to Jesus, my book, as a token of our thanks for investing in the life of a child. Thank you for joining me and sponsoring a child through compassion today. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're continuing our series through Song of Solomon and we are on chapter three today. And if you're just joining us, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first couple of episodes, especially the introduction series. But the reason why we're going through the Song of Solomons is because I think it is a book that is often overlooked in our churches and our Bible studies, but yet it is a really important piece of scripture that teaches us a lot about love and sex and marriage. And so today we're in chapter three and I'm reading from the NASB version and I will read through, I will give some of my comments and thoughts, historical background information, and then I'll read it again for you to meditate. And just as a reminder, every day I have journaling prompts that go along with each episode because I think journaling is a really good way to get this information from your head and into your heart. You can find those on our Patreon page and starting at just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free episodes, our journaling prompts, transcripts, and more. So again, I'm in verse one, chapter three. On my bed, night after night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but did not find him. 
I must arise now and go around in the city, in the streets, and in the public squares. I must seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but did not find him. The watchmen who make the rounds in the city found me, and I said, Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Hardly had I left them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held on to him and would not let him go until I had brought him to my mother's house and into the room of her who conceived me. The groom speaking now. Swear to me, you daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, that you will not disturb or awaken my love until she pleases. And now it's transitioning to Solomon's wedding day, and it's the bride speaking. She says, What is this coming up from the wilderness, like columns of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the scented powders of the merchant? And now it's the chorus speaking. Behold, it is the traveling couch of Solomon, sixty warriors around it, of the warriors of Israel. All of them are wielders of the sword, expert in war. Each man has his sword at his side, guarding against the terrors of the night. King Solomon has made for himself a sedan chair from the timbers of Lebanon. He made its post of silver, its back of gold, and its seat of purple fabric, with its interior lovingly inlaid by the daughters of Jerusalem. Go out, you daughters of Zion, and look at King Solomon with the crown, with which his mother has crowned him on the day of his wedding and on the day of the joy of his heart. So in this passage, it's actually two different scenes. The first half is talking about anticipation of the wedding day, and the second half is actually talking about the wedding day. Now, I talked about this in the intro. What this chapter actually does is it picks up the last half of one poem and the first half of a second poem. And the way that these chapters are divided are not necessarily the same way that they were written. They were six individual poems, but we have eight chapters. And so that's why there's a little bit of a change in, in what we see happening. But the first half, is this idea of anticipation. And I think for any of us girls that have ever been in love, or probably you guys too, you understand the feeling of anticipation especially when you're talking about what is going to happen after you get married. And so the very first portion that we see, verses 1 through 4, it's actually a description of a dream that the bride is having, that the woman is having, and it's something that she's imagining because she gets really lonely and she misses him at night. And so in her dream, it's kind of a bad dream where she is fervently searching for him and she couldn't find him. And if you recognize that, you know, perhaps this is a common feeling where it's really natural to have this fear of losing someone that you love that is precious to you. And that tends to run rampant with your imagination in the evening. And so that's essentially what we're seeing here. And then in verse five, we see the groom say, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And we saw him, we talked about that, I believe it was yesterday, the day before, where this happens three different times. We see him give this warning, either he says it or she says it. But again, it's this idea of waiting for God God's version of a relationship to develop rather than trying to force it on your own. And it's also this warning about being careful of the physical aspects of love before the appropriate time. In this section, I think it's important to point out this idea of anticipation. The couple at this point was not married, and yet they do anticipate being together physically. And they recognize that this physical expression of their love is going to happen, but they did not engage in that kind of behavior before the commitment of marriage. And I understand that that sounds probably outright strange in the culture that we live in today, even with some believers. But 
But at this point, that is what would have been culturally appropriate. Now, for believers, it's always appropriate. But in our culture, it's not always what we see. And so this idea of anticipation, we recognize that it's always been an important part of love and romance. But also remember, in Song of Solomon, the timelines are kind of blurred because this is not typical poetry. Remember, it's these concentric circles that are around this idea of love and marriage and physical intimacy. And so it kind of blurs the past, the present, and the future all throughout it. And so there's this idea of anticipation and also this idea of experience. And it's kind of difficult to even understand the chronology or how this whole story flows. But what we do recognize is that even as we read this story in a way that kind of jumps back and forth between engagement and marriage, it describes this couple that honors God before the marriage. Their behavior, or I guess you could say their lack of behavior, their lack of sexual behavior before marriage is consistent with the biblical values, the moral values that we know to be true of the Israel culture and the expectations of that culture. That's also true of our culture as believers. And so as we read the story in that way, it helps us understand this important point about relationships and the principles of relationships and how they develop. It's not that you're not going to have anticipation. It's not that you're not going to desire those things before marriage, but it's the obedience portion that we're focusing on. And This isn't even, I would not say that this is lust. I think this is anticipation because lust draws the line to to a point of sin. We recognize that human relationships involve the entire being of the person. So it involves your heart, your mind, your spirit, and your body. That is actually how God created us to operate. That's healthy and it develops in a way that is progressive, but it has to be balanced. And so what this song is doing is it's describing physical urges that are part of human sexuality. And while those urges are definitely part of God's design for us and they're good, if you isolate those away from maybe the emotional experience or the psychological aspects that happen after you're married, it then does reduce that act which is a good gift of God, it reduces that act to lust. And lust has really terrible consequences, both inside of marriage and outside of marriage. Hey friends, are you loving the deep conversations, the biblical insight, and the spiritual growth content that I share on the Hearing Jesus podcast? Well, I've got some fantastic news for you. Starting at just $5 a month, you can become a member of our Patreon community and take your Hearing Jesus experience to a whole new level. When you join Patreon, you gain access to ad-free episodes, daily journaling prompts and worksheets, monthly bonus content, personalized Q&A sessions with me, giveaways, and more. As a Patreon supporter, you're not just a listener, you're a valued member of my inner circle. But that's not all. Our Patreon community is a place where you can connect with like-minded people who share your passion for spiritual growth, engage in meaningful discussions, share your thoughts, and be part of something that's truly special. Plus, we've got some awesome perks lined up for our Patreon supporters 
from shout outs on the podcast to exclusive merch and more. So if you're ready to dive deeper into the journey of hearing Jesus, head on over to patreon.com forward slash hearing Jesus. Your support makes a real difference, allowing us to continue bringing you inspiring content week after week. Also, a portion of any income from Patreon goes to support children through our partnership with Compassion International. Again, head to patreon.com forward slash hearing Jesus. Thank you for being a vital part of the Hearing Jesus community. Together, let's learn to live out our faith in our everyday life. You know, one of the things that this reminds me of is some of the girls that I've had the privilege of working with on the mission field. And a lot of times, especially during COVID and post-COVID, what we would see is girls that were getting pregnant. And it's not that that doesn't happen here. I think it happens at an accelerated rate when children are living in poverty because they have a different set of circumstances. Often what will happen with children that are in vulnerable situations is Either they will sell their bodies, maybe for food or for shelter, or their family members will sell their bodies. And so there was an uptick of girls that were getting pregnant both during the pandemic and immediately after the pandemic. And the difficult thing about that is in many of those cultures, they don't openly talk about these kinds of things. And they don't even sometimes know how they can get pregnant. And so for a lot of these girls, once they get pregnant, the way that the laws are written in many of the African countries, they can no longer go to school. Now, that is changing in some of the countries we've seen that change in the last couple of years. But in a lot of those countries, once the girl gets pregnant, they can no longer go to school. Now, it's definitely not fair because the boys can still go to school, but the entirety of their lives is changed because of this idea of lust. And then the sad part is for many of these girls, when you talk to them, this was not a choice that they made based off of love. Many of them never even actually experienced true love from the boy that they slept with, even though that is the deepest longing of their heart. And so what happens is they become sexually involved with a boy because they think, well, number one, it could have been not their choice. But when it is their choice, it's because they think that intimacy, physical intimacy would bring to them love and commitment. And that's what they desperately want. But what they end up discovering is that you cannot force love and you cannot manipulate love from physical intimacy. That's not how it works. And that's not how God created our brains and our hearts and our bodies to work. And so these decisions that they make only bring them pain and difficulty and pregnancy, something they didn't plan for, something they didn't anticipate. They went into those decisions thinking that it was going to bring them the love that they wanted. Instead, most of the time those boys are long gone. They're nowhere to be found. And now they can't even attend school. And often those are girls that have these big dreams. It's not any different than the girls that we have here in the States. And so I think the caution here is with this idea of physical intimacy and how that is different than lust. Physical intimacy is a result of the love relationship that happens inside of a marriage. Now, when you try to do that outside of a marriage, it's based on maybe gratification or pleasure or the desire for the love. But when it's separated from the context of a committed relationship and a respect for the person that you're in the relationship with that is made inside of God's image, then what happens is this idea of sexuality and physical intimacy, it gets distorted. And that distortion 
the enemy uses and it leads to pain and chaos in our lives. And, you know, we have gone through this sexual revolution in the United States, which makes it really difficult for people to understand the difference between love and intimacy and lust and intimacy. And many people in the world will think, well, the idea of intimacy only reserved for marriage is an antiquated idea, and that's not the reality of the world we live in. But for us as believers, we have to recognize that this is how God created our bodies to work. Now, on one hand, we have the actual physical ramifications of STDs and unwanted pregnancies. And if you're cheating on your spouse, maybe it's a destroyed marriage or it complicates a marriage that hasn't happened yet. There's damage. There can be damage to kids. It can be damage to the rest of the family. There can be a lot of detrimental effects when sex is happening outside of the commitment of marriage. But beyond that, there's something psychologically that happens and physiologically that happens and spiritually that happens. It's with the bonding experience. And so the bonding, the way that God created us as man and woman was designed to happen within the confines of marriage because the bonding that takes place is permanent. And so when somebody is having casual sex outside of marriage, it causes problems because of not just the chemical reactions that happen in our body, but the physical and the spiritual reactions that happen in our body. And so when you see these teenagers that are bouncing around from relationship to relationship, and then we wonder why teenagers are anxiety ridden and they are suicidal and they have all these issues, it's because they have aligned themselves and they've bonded themselves to somebody sexually outside of marriage. And I guess maybe I shouldn't just say teenagers. I think this is a global problem that we see and it's happening in all ages. I think I read something recently that it was even happening in nursing homes. So I guess I shouldn't even say with teenagers. I think just because um, of the teenagers that I have worked with in the past, I see that more frequently. And so then we transition in the second half of this passage and we start learning about the wedding. And so here we have this bride and groom that have saved themselves for marriage and we see them coming together in this wedding. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance. The aromas that they're talking about, those perfumes that they're talking about were very, very expensive. I talked a little bit about the perfumes and what would happen in a king's procession. Well, even in the bride. So when the bride's procession is coming, you're going to smell her, especially if she's marrying a king. You're going to smell her and the kinds of perfumes that she's wearing, which it talks about myrrh and incense and spices. Those are an aura of luxury and extravagance. And it adds this whole dimension to the experience. It's just really describing this royal rich experience between the two of them. And then of course, there's this carriage, which is essentially carrying Solomon's bride to him. And it's just this description of this beautiful marriage between the two of them. That carriage, again, was made with this exotic material. It would have been really costly to make it. But what we see at the end of this passage is this beautiful arrangement of this marriage between a man and a woman who have, I mean, they have wanted to be physically intimate. They have had this anticipation. They've had this longing, but they were obedient to God's design and they waited until marriage. And so it's this beautiful picture of this couple that has listen to God's voice that has acted with integrity. And it gives us this example of the blessing that comes when we wait for marriage to be physically intimate with the person that we have chosen to spend the rest of our life with. 
So given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread Song of Solomon starting at verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, On my bed, night after night, I sought him, whom my soul loves. I sought him, but did not find him. I must arise now and go around in the city, in the streets and in the public squares. I must seek him, whom my soul loves. I sought him, but did not find him. The watchmen who make the rounds in the city found me, and I said, Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Hardly had I left them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held on to him and would not let him go until I had brought him to my mother's house and into the room of her who conceived me. The groom, swear to me, you daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, that you will not disturb or awaken my love until she pleases. Now the wedding day. The bride. What is this coming up from the wilderness like columns of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the scented powders of the merchant? The chorus. Behold, it is the traveling couch of Solomon, sixty warriors around it, of the warriors of Israel. All of them are wielders of the sword, expert in war. Each man has his sword at his side, guarding against the terrors of the night. King Solomon has made for himself a sedan chair from the timber of Lebanon. He made its posts of silver, its back of gold, and its seat of purple fabric, with its interior lovingly inlaid by the daughters of Jerusalem. Go out, you daughters of Zion, and look at King Solomon with the crown, with which his mother has crowned him on the day of his wedding and on the day of the joy of his heart. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this beautiful picture of physical intimacy within the confines of marriage and the anticipation that we start to see at the beginning of this passage culminated in this wedding at the end of the passage. Lord, I pray that even as we ponder this and we think about this in our own lives, Lord, if we've messed up in this area, God, help my friends to realize that there is grace. There is grace for them in the area of sin in the area of physical intimacy, and that they don't have to walk around with sin and shame and guilt hanging over their heads, but that you are a God of second chances and that you are a God that longs to help us and empower us to be obedient. Lord, help us to recognize the ways that you have designed for us to live within the context of our marriage relationships. And for my friends that are even thinking about what this means for their own lives, God, would you reveal to them what it means to be physically and intimately pure before you? God, I thank you for the way that even in this area that is sometimes so difficult to talk about that you give us this example. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to be obedient in this area, even in the moments that are difficult because of the way that you created our bodies to work. Lord, help us to ordain and I guess even surrender those things that are natural that you created as good. Help us to surrender them to you and lay them down within the context of marriage. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for your word and the way that you reveal your heart for us and to us through it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, one thing I want to mention, and you probably heard the advertisement for compassion at the beginning of this episode, but one thing I want to mention is that the work continues. With some of the work that I've done with the girls in Africa, it continues, and I'm so thankful for organizations like Compassion that holistically care for girls. And actually, one of the things that we have done on the Hearing Jesus podcast is we partnered with Compassion to make sure that the children are that are the most vulnerable for some of the scenarios that I mentioned in today's show those children are at the top of our list so when you go to compassion.com forward slash hearing jesus the first 100 children will be children that have that designation as being vulnerable and they're vulnerable either because of their situation or the location that they live in or perhaps 
previous things that have happened in their lives. And so as you are praying about what it means to sponsor a child or what it means to recognize that there is some brokenness in this world and as believers, what's our role? Well, I want you to know that there are opportunities for you to to listen to God's voice if he's prompting you in that area. So again, you can head to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus to learn more. Hey friend, every day when I finish the podcast, I feel so confident that this is one of the things that God created me for. And my journey is not unlike yours. I had a season in my life where I was doubting God's voice. I felt insecure about the things that I thought he might be telling me to do. If you were in that place, I want you to know that I offer spiritual direction and life coaching to help you get unstuck. Maybe you're struggling with something and need an objective biblical opinion. Maybe you need some help working through something that feels a little heavy. Maybe you feel called to write or start your own podcast, or maybe you just want to learn how to hear God's voice more clearly. For me, when God started to reveal his plan for my life, I found my purpose. And part of that purpose is to help you learn how to grow in your relationship with him. My heart is to help guide you in this area so you can step confidently into the calling God has for you. If you would like to start spiritual direction or life coaching, I'm opening up space for a couple more clients. You can head to shehears.org forward slash coaching to learn more. That's shehears.org forward slash coaching. Hey friends, if this podcast helps encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.